All Things in the Name of Love, with your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music performed and written by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Episode 61, The Power of Nature with Shelby Silver. So today I have with me, uh, how do I even get into the description of how amazing you are? My soul sister, Shelby Silver, who is, among, among many things, you're an eco-activist and user of and protector of the land and the waters. You're a love activist. You're one of the most amazing beings in a human form I've ever encountered. <laughs> and this is even without your bio because I, the, the bio doesn't really cover you. So yeah, I'm just, I haven't had anyone on my podcast where I felt like a five-year-old before. So in advance, <laughs> I apologize to anyone who doesn't know what my five-year-old is like, but she's really giddy and joyful. And so grateful to have you on this episode, Shelby. Thank you so I'm much. I'm so honored to be on this episode with you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so oh, divine ones. So if anyone would ever want to meet Shelby, you would immediately feel her divinity because she embodies it so thoroughly. And so that's why I had to call you. Divine. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> okay, now tune in. Dearest Shelby, I want to introduce people first to your artwork and how you came about doing this glorious repurposing of discarded things from the ocean as part of your calling. Yeah, yeah. So Thank you. I love that question because it brings me back to my childhood. And I grew up on a llama ranch really close to the ocean in Washington State. And I was able to explore the wilderness growing up and run across the, the sandy beach near the ocean and watch the waves come in. And I drew a lot of inspiration from this. And this is where my stewardship values were really born and really came into, into play. And I, I understood in a deep capacity this calling to preserve and protect natural spaces because I knew how much I loved the places that I was able to grow up in and how fortunate I was to grow up there. And what had then come from this calling to be a steward of the earth then really started to take shape and take form in a call to service. And this greater question, how can I be of greater service? 
And in my work as an ecological artist, I'm looking closely, yes, at the relationships between what is happening on our earth, but also the relationships between humankind and the relationship between humankind and our earth. And this this central focus around what is the relationship, what's happening within the relationship there, and what is the symbiotic upset, and how can we be of greater service? And so I've, I've really begun asking myself, and I think we can all ask ourselves, how can we be of greater service? And what that looks like with starting with ourselves, Mm -hmm. starting with ourselves, because we can't be of greater service unless we're, we're there for ourselves. And so, so examining and asking, how can I be of greater service to myself? How can I be of greater service to humankind? And how can I be of greater service to our earth? And it really falls down to understanding our basic need and how can we meet those basic needs? So for myself, the basic needs are love. I need love. I need support. I need nourishment and I need clean water. And what does my fellow humankind need? And what do the beings on this planet need? We need love. We need support. We need nourishment. We need, we need clean water. What does, what does our earth need? How can we be in greater service of our of our earth? Our earth needs love, it needs support, it needs nourishment, and it needs clean water. And and if we don't have these things, we start to see we see struggle, we see pain and strain, and and that is outwardly reflected in it starts with ourself, right? I can I can actively begin to see that struggle, a strain, and pain within myself first, and then it's reflected in humankind, and it's reflected on our earth, and through the collapse of biodiversity and degradation, and so it really begins internally. It really begins with supporting ourselves, and... Yes, it does, and... I've been on this this internal journey for a long time of what more can I do? And I'll share that I've been reading a book called Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Emmerer. And there is this one chapter because it's it's different stories. Mm -hmm. They're short teachings. And there's one teaching about only taking what you need. And I've I've implemented this into my garden and I only take the large leaves. I have never seen a garden so prolific. I keep getting, I have more lettuce than I know what to eat every week. Yes. Because yes. I'm only taking what I need. Yes. And it's such a profound lesson. And, and this is a simple thing. I mean, it's just a shift in a word. I kind of want to tell all my gardeners this because they pull stuff out from the root and then they mm-hmm. have to replant. It's like, you don't need to replant. You just have to be more mindful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the plants are thanking me because when I take the big leaves, the little leaves can grow. Yes, they're getting and more sun. They're getting more nutrition. <laughs> and it's just this, this, this complete shift in awareness of like something that 
simple mm-hmm. is is completely altering my understanding of how to interrelate with the planet. The planet mm-hmm. is so abundant. It wants to feed us, it wants to nourish us, and it just wants it back. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Those those foundational values that really resonate with me that you're sharing. My mom would always say, leave some for the earth. You can you can pick. You can pick what you need, but leave some for the earth. And it took me a long, long time before before I really realized what that meant. As as an adult, it all start, started to sink in. And as a child, I felt grateful to only take what I need and and that I am having this relationship, this connection with the earth. It showed me it showed me preciousness. It showed me the value of this holy earth temple. Yeah. And and one of my most recent series that I'm so proud to be to be focusing on is called Earth Temple, Earth Temple series, and focuses on the sacredness of our planet. And it allows me to utilize more plastic marine debris in in these pieces. So I and you know, <laughs> you know, Erica. I do. But, um, but I, I will share with with all of you listening that uh, my main area of uh, focus is marine conservation through the removal of plastic marine debris. And I do that by collecting and pulling these pieces from the ocean and partnering with different fisher people who who have a large copious supply of, of these materials and collaborating, co-collaborating and creating with fellow artists such as Emily Miller. And so the the Earth Temple series is really all about how can I present these pieces in a way that show and share the beauty of our planet and also share its sacredness and and really taps into those foundational stewardship values. <laughs> well, and what I felt because you, I, I was honored to receive one of the baskets you created from the cords from discarded fishermen Mm -hmm. and what is typically seen as trash you have shed a completely different light upon it and said no this is something to honor and i'm getting chilled which i love this is something to honor and reuse and co-create again to to bring beauty into it yes and in this culture of disposability bringing that message in is so profound right now because it is a shift of of how we perceive things Mm. yes exactly that is exactly it and i'm so glad I'm so glad that you brought that up because through my work in ecological rehabilitation, I am shifting the narrative. We have been traditionally looking at the the plastic in our oceans as as toxic 
And there's a lot of fear behind that. The reality is stark and it's unsettling, right? We are, our oceans are bombarded by plastic and that's a scary thing. But when we continue to look through the lens of fear upon an already fearful, scary situation, we experience contraction. And that contraction doesn't allow us to think creatively about how to solve these global issues. But when we can shift and we can look through the lens of love at this situation, love is really expansive and opens us up. It opens our minds and it opens our hearts and that heart-mind connection in our ability to think creatively outside of the limitations that we once knew. And that is where we can bring our messages of love forward bring our messages of light forward and begin nourishing ourselves so that we can nourish our planet and nourish each other as humankind and the beings on this planet. That resonates so beautifully. Mm. How have you come about transitioning from a place of fear to love? Oh, I really love that question. As a little girl, I, there were these two maples in the driveway that was leading up to our house. And my parents planted these trees when they were babies. And so I had grown up with these trees. And they planted them on both sides. But on, on the, the left side of the driveway, when you're coming towards the house, there was this kind of deeper little grassy knoll. and that is where I loved to be. I loved to go out there and read and write poetry and, and really, you know, journal it out. When in doubt, journal it out. <laughs> and I would gaze up at these two intertwining maples. It was one of my most favorite places on our, on our property. And one was a, a red leaf maple, which as you know, present themselves as being more purple. And the other was a green leaf maple. And they were about the same size, but every spring they would start blossoming and then they would grow in size. Their leaves would grow in size and then they would kind of overlap. Oh, wow. And they, as I would lay there being cradled by this soft grassy knoll, I would look up and the sun would be shimmering down through the leaves and it looked like stained glass. Oh, how beautiful. And as a child, I remember seeing, I, I have always been fond of, of old churches and their stained glass. And, and so there was, there was holiness there. I found, I found this deep connection with these trees and I felt deep connection to source my God self, my love. And as I've, as I've grown, as I've, today is actually my birthday. So, so, so 36. <laughs> so, so the, I, I was very, very young. And as, as I had grown, I had found myself always wanting to go back to that place of, of, simple, grounded, rooted love. How can I get back there? How can I get back there? And because, you know, we ask ourselves as adults, 
why is it so complicated? Why is everything, why is everything so complicated? And as a child, we were so carefree. Well, as a child, we, we were really in touch with our bodies. We were really in touch with nature. We were really, I mean, a lot of us, many of us have the ability to, to play and, and interact with nature in some capacity, in some way, shape or form. And I realized that in order to maintain that connection with, with love, with source, I needed to put myself in nature, plant myself in these wild spaces that I am preserving and protecting. That when I am at the ocean and I am collecting these bits and pieces of plastic all over, all over the sand and from, from the waves, to look up and appreciate and remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm doing what I'm doing in, in greater service. And that connection to, to love and, and helps me remember, helps me remember and to stay in love, stay in love with, with myself, stay in love with humankind and the beings on this planet and to stay in love with our planet, stay in love with this beautiful earth that we call home. So beautiful because that's that's what we are at our core is that 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 connection, and you know especially in this time of tumult where we're seeing the old dissolve, returning to that deeper sense of self and that connection to the earth is I would say critical right now. Yes. Yes, vital. It's absolutely vital. And, you know, even if it's do my plug, no, I don't do the plug often, but for me, grounding is is one of the most powerful ways I can actually feel connected to, to Earth. Mm. I get my shoes off. I, I thought you were. <laughs> I thought you were. You can't see this, everyone, but I just held up my my barefoot to Eric. She's sitting outside. <laughs> like, she's seeing my pads and my 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 office. But you're but you're seeing this nature around me. Yeah, I'm seeing nature around you. Coming which is gorgeous, coming like, towards oh, you. <laughs> so awesome. But that like I because I have a lot of friends right now who are really stressed. And my go-to piece of advice is go outside barefoot. Yes. Because if you're an empath and you're not feeling, like you cannot feel what's going on right now in our greater world if you're an empath. And there's ultimately my sense is this is the biggest healing we could possibly go through right now. Yes. Healing's messy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Healing is messy. It's messy. And we don't know what it looks like unless we go through it. We don't know. We don't know what it looks like on the other side and what goodness is being held for us on the other side unless we navigate our way through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's, you know, I've, I've learned through my own practices that ultimately if I sit with the actual emotions, and I, I got this reinforced this week, if I just tune into two spots at the same time that my body is feeling something, 
And I only focus on that. My, my brain shuts down because I can't focus on two things at the same time, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I just breathe into those spots. So let's say it's my adrenals and my shoulder, as an example, stress. So if I just focus on my adrenals and my shoulder, I really can't hold another thought. So I'm projecting here because my shoulder and my adrenals are actually doing well. But if my shoulders and my (laughs) adrenals are feeling bad, I would pay attention to them and I would just feel them, really feel them. And what happens when I inhale through my nose and exhale through my mouth and I'm feeling those feeling like I'm feeling the energy. That's what it is. It's stuck energy. And I feel it. Amazingly, it dissipates. Yeah. Yeah. If I stick in here and go through the loop of my emotions, I'm never going to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. When we tap into and ask ourselves, what area on my body, what am I feeling right now? I think that's a question we don't often ask ourselves. What am I feeling in this moment? And when we hone in on that, like like you're saying, it lends itself to to deep focus and the rest of the world drops away and we're able to be present in our bodies, be more present for the world around us and be more centered and grounded when we are called upon mm-hmm. in, in whatever space is needed. So here's an interesting thing that just popped in, which I love disassociation as a collective coping mechanism. Being one who used to be an expert in disassociation, and I think most empaths are, one of the healthiest things I've done for myself is actually get in touch with my body. I grew up in New England and being in touch with your body is almost remote. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what? you? You want to actually love your body? Why would you do that? And this is a body temple. Mm-hmm. I dwell within my body. I can't articulate that I know that my soul is separate from my body other than the fact that I, I sense it. I've experienced it with my, my father's death. The soul physically left his body and I felt it. So we have this opportunity to coexist and co-create in this body temple that we dwell in if we honor it if we touch it like you know just thank your hands for how amazing they are yes thank your feet for carrying you through this life yeah and so how do you stay connected to your body in that context that's such a great question. Such a great question, Erica. So there have been so many times, and I think that we are all presented with these these moments in our life. I believe that we all experience trauma in one way or another. I think that our our earth is experiencing trauma in so many ways right now. And it's a reflection of the traumas that we have all been experiencing on a human level. And when we experience trauma, we really separate from ourselves and then we have that disassociation. And in order to get back to feeling my body, 
I think that one of the most powerful tools that I have experienced is in through meditation and through connecting with my with my human collective through my meditation practice and also bringing bringing the the beauty of the planet to me through fragrance so through essential oils taste you know tasting tasting the earth tasting the plant medicine that is being offered to us uh, tasting the gifts of of this planet brings me back into my body it it brings me back to my sense of self in a way that holistically energizes me and and then i'm i'm able to be supportive and be more loving to myself and to this planet and to those around me and that is that is something that i really hold so much love for is that as i experience helping heal this planet through the work that i do the planet is healing me and i'm discovering areas of my past traumas that are being soothed like a sweet balm by the love of this planet if we if we can allow ourselves to to be gentle on this earth and if we can allow ourselves to soak up what it is that mama nature has to offer us we can automatically quite easily tap into our sense of self and reconnect reconnect one of my favorite activities to do that is watching bees mm. <laughs> yeah I absolutely adore watching bees because <laughs> just how they, they just are. I mean, that's the end. They're called bees, right? So, they're so sweet. They're, they're so, so sweet. sweet. And they just, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they feed us, you know, they give us their honey. They give us their wax. They give us the plants and yes. to watch them just bebop along and, you know, just do their thing. Yes. And it, it, it's it's such a treat to just let myself sit and watch because that helps me connect with this non-human creature that is integral to my life. Mm. Yes, in a in a powerful powerful way. Mm -hmm. You would absolutely love. Oh, so a dear friend of mine, Susan Curington, she has this amazing series called as the bcs and they are huge huge paintings of close-up blossoms so when you interact with these pieces you walk up and you you see these pieces the idea is that you feel small like a bee coming into the blossom <laughs> you that. have you have to see everyone has to experience oh my this. gosh it's so beautiful she's, she's amazing she's amazing so beautiful <laughs> because yeah like i don't know there's something so integral to me about that deeper understanding and just being present and recognizing that this illusion that I'm somehow different than all the other sentient beings on this planet gets shattered every time I spend time outside. Mm. 
Mm. Yes. How do you think the easiest way could be for someone to connect with with nature if they're living in a city? Mm. So one of the the things that I I think we do is that we have this notion that nature is the forest or nature is the ocean or we can only experience nature if we're on a hike or we can only experience nature if we're outdoors. But if we have a beautiful tree in our neighborhood, if we have, when I, so for instance, I, I used to live downtown Portland and I remember feeling because I had moved from a sweet neighborhood with a bunch of trees and a bunch of flowers and a bunch of plants and and downtown Portland there's there's a few trees here and there but it's not it, you know especially on the west side there's there's not a lot unless you get up up into Washington Park and so forth but I, I remember thinking I love these trees and I'm so grateful for these trees I'm so so grateful and I think that and I remember. I remember watching this this amazing TED talk about this several years ago about not having judgment about what nature should look like or what nature does look like, but that the nature we experience is beautiful. And when we can appreciate what nature we have that is accessible to us, we are receiving the benefits from from that plant life from that that natural life but in order to do that we have to drop our judgments as to what makes natural spaces great right because my experience of those trees is that oh my gosh this is just a beautiful tree and you know we think we i often think of children who are playing and bring pick dandelions right or pick buttercups and you know the only difference between a flower and a weed is a judgment (laughs) and i think that when we look upon the world look upon natural spaces specifically with compassion it helps us understand and have a, a deeper appreciation for our own human condition and allows us to look at ourselves in non-judgmental capacities it's beautiful because you're you're bringing up an example in my garden. We have comfrey, which mm. everyone in the garden is like, this is an invasive species, <laughs> and it is. And <laughs> and I'm like, okay, take the comfrey out, give me the roots, yeah, because comfrey root is one of the most healing plants. And I've made a I've made a concoction with comfrey oil, like I've concocted the oil comfrey in the oil, and I put. I've used castor oil as the oil. The ah, healing yes. properties of those two combined are ridiculous because I see past the invasive species into what the healing properties are. Mm. And so I'm able to offer a gift of healing that other people would just discard. Yes. Yes. That's so beautiful. Thank you. And valuable. Thanks. Good soul medicine. Just, and it's, you know, doing that is you're tapping into earth medicine in a way that is giving you homeopathically the 
energies that you need. It's, it's working through your body and, and meeting your body's requests for those areas that needed support Mm -hmm. and what better gift. It's, it's amazing how giving the earth is. If we just listen, it's really teaching us. It's teaching us how to, how to give. Mm-hmm. And yes, if we, if we, if we can sit and pay close attention to what's being, what's being taught by our earth, we can take that into our practices, our daily lives and our, our relationships and use these teachings, use these offerings to help nurture our souls and nurture each other in profound ways. Mm. Well, as you know, you and I can talk for hours on end. For hours. <laughs> it's true. However, however <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> and so I'm going to be mindful to my listeners and yes. ask you the final question. How okay. do people find you? Sure. So you can find me at shelbysilver.com and at shelbysilver.ecologicalart. Uh, that is my my Instagram handle. And you can you can connect with me through any of those routes. You can also email me if you have questions or would like to uh, would like to talk. My email is shelbysilver.rsp at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Thank for you. For the work you do in the world, for the light that you are, mm. and for being the amazing being that you are. Thank you. Thank you, Erica, for having me. You're welcome. The action item of the week is to tune into where you are and find a connection to the earth. Be with it. I'll give you an example. I have finches that visit my windowsill often. I get so much joy from their song. And I live in downtown Portland. So there's your example. If it's a patch of grass, whatever it is, just be with it and thank it for being in your life. It's really powerful. That's it for the week. Until next time, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Let it flow.